are Hindus being discriminated against in India? The true meaning of secularism is a separation of matters of religion from matters of government. In India though, secularism has acquired a totally new meaning, one where the state and the society have historically been allowed to discriminate against the population which constitutes its religious majority. One where the government is intricately involved in the administration of religious establishments which belong to the Hindus. How did this come about? Of course, the fundamental rights of Hindus to profess, practice and propagate their religion, to administer their charities have been completely taken away by government who has been squatting in our temples for more than 50-60 years and we don't seem to have any um, end at sight. The involvement of government in temple administration actually dates back to the time when the British were ruling the country. Now the British used it as a mechanism for wresting control indirectly over temples and indirectly hitting out at the Indian society, the roots of Indian society itself. Subsequently, after independence, uh, in Karnataka specifically, there were about seven or eight different legislations that were uh, in place. In, the, uh, in 1980, in the Admar case, Admar Mutt judgment, it was held, the Supreme Court, the Honorable Apex Court held that uh, the state of Karnataka needs to necessarily legislate an enactment that would consolidate all these seven or eight different pieces of legislation that were there. In theory, the constitution of India, particularly under Articles 25 and Article 26, allow every religious denomination to administer and manage the religious affairs pertaining to that religious denomination. In practice, this right to manage religious institutions is only allowed to religious minorities and successive governments seem to have reserved the right to take over administration of religious affairs to Hindu temples only. Hindu temples have been singled out for this treatment by various governments. What could be the reason? Tamil Nadu is perhaps the only state in the world where there are more than 400 heritage structures which are more than 1000 years old. Nowhere in the world you would find such a concentration of temples of great antiquity and which are masterpieces of archaeology. Now, in the name of renovation, HRNC officials are brunt on changing the ethos of these temples changing the structures, replacing them, building modern monstrosities, all for the sake of, number one, contracts awarded which gives them hefty commission, number two, valuable pillars and statuaries removed so that they could be surreptitiously sold in the smugglers market for artifacts. These non-stop renovation have cost 
immeasurable damage to Tamil Nadu temples. If the hundis are stolen, which are being regularly done, somebody can give a big donation and compensate it. If the rituals are violated, we can do certain other rituals which will be like compensating for those violations. If there is property loss, we can get the property back or we can get some donations which, which we can buy properties. But if an inscription is damaged, if a mural is effaced, if a statue is removed and taken away, they can never be replaced. Tamil Nadu does not know it is losing its heritage bit by bit from their ancient temples. And this is all due to government presence in temples who would not stop quote-unquote renovation even after the first bench of the Honorable Madras High Court has laid a complete stay on all such renovations. The first question which must be asked is whether the term religious denomination used in Article 26 of the Constitution is applicable to the various sampradayas of Hinduism. So every temple is based on certain agamas uh, which have derived their, uh, which have their roots in sampradaya, in uh, the darshana itself. And then you also have ritualistic uh, religious aspects of Hindu religion, which are which are also sampradayas based on traditions of and cultural identity itself of the community concerned. Uh, you could have Shaiva, uh, Siddhanta, you could have uh, Vaishnava. So every temple essentially is oriented or, or is centered on certain principles of sampradaya, which loosely can be translated into denomination. So if every temple is a denomination temple, then the temple and its ecosystem and its, uh, be it the priestly class or the non-priestly uh, community around the temple that is part of the socio-economic milieu of the temple, they have a right to administer the temple on their own. However, successive governments have been using senior lawyers to argue the exact opposite of what we just mentioned. The Chidambaram temple in Tamil Nadu is a case in point. Successive governments of Tamil Nadu had taken over the administration of this temple for at least five decades and the Podu Dikshitars of Chidambaram had been systematically sidelined and impoverished. The Chidambaram temple won a legal battle in 1951 when a divisional bench of the Madras High Court declared that the temple belonged to the denomination of Podu Dikshitars and that they alone are entitled to administer the temple as they did for many centuries. The government appealed against this in the Supreme Court. A constitutional bench of the Supreme Court dismissed the appeal of the government in 1954. Notwithstanding this judgment, the government persisted in taking over the temple from the hands of the religious denomination. A single judge and later a divisional bench of the Madras High Court upheld the 1987 order of the government appointing an executive officer to the temple in the year 2009. These judgments were set aside and the appointment of the executive officer to the temple by the government was held to be arbitrary, unjust and illegal 
by a brilliant order of the Supreme Court in January 2014 and the constitutional rights of the Podu Dikshitars were restored. This aspect of uh, the right of uh, denominations, re religious denominations, to govern temples and administer temples came up before the uh, Honorable Apex Court and in a landmark Chidambaram Temple judgment, it was held that, uh, it was not only held that uh, the uh, Podu Dikshitars had a right over temple administration of uh, the Chidambaram Temple, it was the Honorable Apex Court also went to the extent of categorically stating that government cannot have an arbitrary mechanism for taking over temples. To begin with, only if and only if there is a genuine uh, need or a genuine reason, be it, uh, let's say, uh, misappropriation of funds, temple funds, mismanagement of temple activities, you know, there has to be a reason for government to get involved in acquiring the temple and administering it. Only in such cases would the temple... Uh, with the government, should the government uh, be involved in uh, acquiring, taking over temples. And in the show cause notice itself, the uh, Honorable Supreme Court held that uh, the government has to declare the reason why uh, it wants to take over the temple and come up with a roadmap for relinquishing control. And the Honorable Supreme Court said that it should not take more than a couple of years to rectify uh, the maladies if at all they exist and if at all there is a compelling reason for taking over a certain temple. If you thought that this was an individual case, then you would be sadly mistaken. The same fate which had befallen the Chidambaram temple has also befallen 38,633 temples in Tamil Nadu and approximately 35,000 temples in Karnataka. In the Chidambaram Temple Judgment of 2014, the Supreme Court of India has held that A. You can take over a temple only in proven serious instances of mismanagement. B. The purpose of takeover must be to cure such mismanagement. And C. The moment that the mismanagement is cured, the temple must be handed over back to the community. Successive state governments have been occupying Hindu temples in various parts of India since the year 1939. Even if one assumes that it takes a long time, say 10 years, to cure a particular malaise pertaining to that particular temple, it must be handed over back to the community who are the rightful stakeholders after this time. Any continuation of government presence thereafter must therefore be seen as an illegal occupation of that temple. This would be a complete violation of the fundamental religious and cultural rights enshrined under Articles 25, 26 and Section 1 of Article 29 of the Indian Constitution. Luckily for India, the situation is changing, albeit somewhat slowly. A lot more needs to be done on the ground 
and the Chidambaram Temple judgment gives hope that more temples will be freed from government control in the near future.